So there is a difference between a manager and a leader. The manager is somebody who tells somebody to do something. The leader is the one that says, let's go do it together. Let me show you how to do this. I don't care how many times I have to show you, I, we're gonna do it together over and over and over again. Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. I'm actually excited to do this one. It's been a little while. I've been trying to connect with this infamous person for some time. No, he hasn't been avoiding me. He hasn't, but he's in a great position now where he can actually sit down and we can jam about anything and everything we want to jam about when it comes to the automotive industry. Uh, today, I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. Ben Friedman with me. Ben, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Jason? How are you today? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad we I'm glad we do this. I know we've talked about trying to do it a couple times. So yeah. like I'm super glad that you know that you're in a position now where we can we we can do this. This is fun. This is gonna be Dude, if you think you're excited, I'm I'm super pumped. You know, it's been like you said, I think this has been a couple of years in the making and you know, obviously being respectful to people, we just weren't able to make it happen. Now we're able to make it happen. So, you know, as you said, let's jam. Let's I know do it. it's, it's going to be good. I like we're, we're, we're very like minded. We love, you know, uh, we, we love the automotive industry. I know we both come from the automotive industry. So that's where I kind of want to kick off our podcast today is with a little origin story. A, because Ben, I'm always fascinated, right? Because like no one just wakes up one day and goes, huh? Yeah, I know where I'm going to spend majority of my life. Um, <laughs> it, automotive, that sounds great. I, I don't think anybody does. I think I think uh, it, you're you're. It's a calling. It is. It is a calling. So let's let's get started there. Let's kick off with the origin story of how you got started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So it's a super cool story. I love telling it. Um, and again, Jason, thanks for uh, inviting me on today. So. Um, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, uh, born and raised in Portland, Oregon, moved to Seattle when I was a kid, um, went to culinary school. So I, yeah. I'm a, a culinary student by background, um, did some time in the mortgage industry when times were awesome. And I left my career in the mortgage industry, decided I was going to take a couple months off and just hang out. I was getting the elevator of the apartment building that I was living in, in Tacoma, Washington, and this this gal was crying and I was, you know, I'm an empath. I, I love people. And so, you know, I just kind of it was like, hey, is everything OK? What's going on? And she said, well, my Internet sales manager just quit and I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and I said, well, um, I and this was in the course of like 30 seconds, right? Like <laughs> elevator ride. And I said, well, I said, I love people. I love cars. Um, I love technology. So. I will come and I will help you out. And then once you find somebody, uh, you can send me down the road and I'll go back on vacation. Well, that actually ended up lasting about three years. <laughs> um, I was at a little Chevy store outside of Tacoma, Washington. It's no longer there as what the name was before. Um, but I ended up running the internet department. We went from eight cars a month to 32 cars a month. And then um, there was this thing called a financial meltdown in 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, long story short, um, the, I, I moved on um, from there um, to um, a really great dealership based out of Seattle Dealership Group. Um, uh, am I allowed to? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. So 
um, I moved on in, uh, in, in 2010 to work for the Car Pros Automotive Group, the Phillips family. Great people, lovely people. Um, started out as their digital marketing manager. And then um, just through a series of events, ended up not just working at their Seattle location, but I ended up going and working in their California locations as well. They had, at that point, a couple of Kia stores in Southern California, Carson, or uh, Huntington Beach, and then I officed out of their Tacoma, Washington store. Um, and it was great. You know, they, the Phillips family are, are wonderful people. Matthew is the CEO mm -hmm. of the company now. He holds a very special place in my heart. Matthew, this one's for you. Um, but, you know, they were gracious and great people. One day I got a call from Brian Pash and mm -hmm. Brian, um, you know, we had talked a little bit about an opportunity. Uh, he knew my background was in BDC and internet and how well I did at the Chevy store. And he said, hey, um, I'm doing this consulting gig, him and Mark McGurin, um, again, two really great guys. And um, would you want to come and work and take a client in Minneapolis that is doing, uh, at that point, they were 14 stores. You want to do a 14 store BDC install? And I said, well, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing, <laughs> but you know, I need to get to that next level of my career. I went and had a very difficult conversation with uh, the Phillips family. Um, they wished me very well um and uh released me to go work for brian so it's again i love this story i truly love my story um it's awesome dude i mean yeah it's like i mean if you hadn't if you just turned around because you forgot a cup of coffee or something like that and you had missed that elevator mm -hmm. you wouldn't have how long in the business now how many oh, years? i've been in the business now for just a little over 16 years See, look, that, so you were literally 30 seconds away from not having a, this 16-year career. If you right. just dropped your keys or forgot your coffee and didn't and missed that elevator, none of this would have happened. That's 100%. Cool. And, it, and it just goes, and I, it, there's another story, a, a bigger story that I'm excited to share um, amidst all this. It has to do with my career, but, but we'll save that for a couple more minutes. So I'm actually so glad this is the time we get to connect because... Uh, you've done some really cool stuff in the automotive industry, but I can tell yeah. you right now, just talking to you for the last few minutes, like this, and I could, you correct me if I'm wrong, but this seems to be like probably the point in your career you're most jacked about. Like, uh, like I'm <laughs> to be, to be completely honest, I'm yes. super excited, but I'm super nervous. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later too. But so I, I do want to get into, cause I love finding like, I, you will find out that I do, I go squirrel sometimes. Okay. Sure. So, like I see a squirrel. So I've been looking at the logo on your hat and I just now connected to what, to what that is. I'm like, dude, that's so cool. Love the logo. Thank you. Props to you on it. That's, Thanks. <laughs> that's yeah, it, was a, it was a very quick pivot a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, uh, you know, we can, we can get into that too, as we can, we are definitely going to get into it. But yeah, anyway, for you, sure. You, you, uh, you, dude, this, is so, this is so great. Like, <laughs> I can't stop smiling. Like, the super, we're talking about a couple of things I'm super passionate about. I'm super passionate yes. about my story. I can tell my, I can give you my testimonial now. Like I can, I can share um, what I've been through. Um, and, you know, at the same time, like we can di dive deep into my weaknesses, right? We all have them. And, you know, mm -hmm. podcasts obviously are, you know, yes. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to lie, man. I've had, I've had a lot of tears. I've had a lot of nights of, of you know, sleepless nights, you know, because, we just, we have those stories, but going back to my story here real quick. So, yep, yep. so Brian Pash, Mark McGurin, 14 store group in Minneapolis. I was flying out here to Minneapolis um, on Mondays. I was flying home on Fridays. Amidst all that, I was going to Louisville for a couple of days, or I was going to, uh, to Orem, uh, Utah. Um, 
you know, I had, I had some clients all over the place, a little bit in New Jersey. So I was gone all the time. And I, it was a period in my life where I was able to do it. I, I was single. Um, you know, I just, the thing about me is passion drives me. I, I don't, and I'm not talking about Brian passion. I'm talking about passion drives me. And, and I, I can't tell you how passionate I am about the industry to where I love talking about it. So anyway, like three or four weeks in on my, uh, 14 week consulting gig, the CEO, the previous CEO of Maury's automotive group here in Minneapolis, Carl Schmidt, another great guy, mm -hmm. um, pulled me aside. He said, uh, Hey Friedman, uh, why don't you move out here and work for me? And I said, no, I'm, I'm not moving. I never woke up one day saying Minneapolis was going to be a spot I was going to live. I mean, it just, you know, coming from Seattle to live in Minneapolis, I'm like, eh, you know, not so much. And then two weeks later, um, he came to me again and said, Hey, Friedman, uh, you're going to come work for me. And I said, no. And he said, okay. He's like, well, then you're going to have to quit or I'm going to get you fired, but you're coming to work for me. I was like, okay, well, maybe this is my calling. You know, again, one of those elevator moments. Yep. Like, so, so I've always taken things as kind of supposed to happen, meant to happen. So I said, okay, Carl, whatever. So I ended up moving out here to Minneapolis in October of 2012. So almost 11 years ago, I'll tell you what, man. Um, my life here, I feel like I had a bunch of people waiting for me to get here. Like <laughs> you, my, you, had, you had a series of elevator moments. Yes. That is, that is, that is, that is it is. Like, and I love that. And I love that because I think anybody out there watching, listening right now, you know, they've been in the car business and, you know, they've, they, they either started when they never thought they were started. I, I know some people accidentally walked into the wrong building. That's how they got their job. I know yeah. other people that just, you know, needed some part-time thing and that's how they did. I personally got conned into it. It was a bet. I had a friend of mine that was actually selling cars. He, and I, I said, look, if you can sell cars and make that much money, I can easily do twice as much because you're an idiot. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, you want to make a bet? I was like, oh yeah, I'll make a bet. And he's like, training starts next week if you want to show up. And I sure in hell did. And he was there, he was gone three months later. I've been there now 23 years in the business. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's these elevator moments. And I, and I love that. And I love your passion. And I'm so glad we were yeah. able to connect. We have some amazing topics we're going to go over. Yeah, so yeah. to kind of kick off our first topic, which is when we actually connected, we reconnected about online because I made a post recently. We're going to talk about a dirty word. Ooh. It's a dirty word. Mm, does it start it's, with an it's, L? It's, 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 it's a four-letter dirty word. Ooh. Now, understand, we're in the automotive industry, right? Mm -hmm. So the automotive industry is made up of three-letter acronyms and four-letter words. Mm -hmm. uh, but this one. This one I find is the dirtiest. No, Dirty. <laughs> Dirty. All right. We're talking about the word. And I'm going to see if someone goes beep. Can I, do I have a beep here? I'll make someone give me a beep. No. Um, the word lead. Yeah. Um, we got to remove that from our vocabulary. Absolutely. And you connected on that. So I'd love to get your thoughts. All right. Because I think it's a mindset shift. It's just I get sticky on language. I know you get sticky on language. So why do we need to remove the word lead All right, from the dealership? Love to get your thoughts, Ben. Yeah, so I think it goes back to the history of that word, right? So um, I remember when my aunt was doing commercial real estate and she's like, hey, my neighbor gave me a lead on somebody that may be, maybe in the market. Again, the keyword is maybe. And uh, not like, here's my number, call me maybe, but maybe in the market. And, um, you know, when you think of the word lead, I think of like, hey, psst, I think my neighbor's in the market for a car, you should give them a call. So more of a cold, a cold opportunity, right? So every time I hear the word leads, like my CRM lead count is down, this and that, I cringe. 
-hmm. And I cringe because these are people who have cost you as the dealer money. You spend thousands of dollars on your website, on SEM, SEO, third parties. They have decided to engage and express interest in one of your products or services. These people are not a, I think I'm in the market. These are people that have engaged in a product or service that you are offering using your money. This is an opportunity to do business. These are opportunities. These are e-guests. They're on your click and mortar uh, assets, whether it's your website or uh, again, a VDP or an SRP on a third party site that you are paying for. These are opportunities. Well, and, and I think what it is as an industry, what we've done is we've kind of just, we took the word lead and just kind of manipulated it. And, and here for any agencies out there that might be listening or watching, it's your fault. And I've been a part of that too. I've been an agency for a long time. So it's like, what we did is we took something that was originally an opportunity and then we turned it into something that you can buy and sell and trade like a commodity, mm -hmm. right? So like, you know, I remember, you know, maybe I'm aging myself right now, but I remember, right, some of the very early reports that we got from our dealer.com website, all right, you know, early 2000s, all right, didn't actually have the word lead on them. They were online inquiries mm -hmm. or online form fills. That, that's, that's actually what they were measured as. That's, that's what we measured them as. And then at some point in time, and this is the whole industry, the whole vertical, right? We shifted to utilizing this word lead because, and we turned it into a commodity, not necessarily an opportunity. And that's what I think we fundamentally messed up right. is because now it's all about the dollars, not the person behind it. Absolutely. I'll yeah. give you your thoughts. Would you think the same? Uh, no, 100%. You know, I was talking to somebody last night on the phone about this, and, you know, we have to look at them as an opportunity to do business. Do we have showroom leads? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I go in my CRM, you know, every morning I pick this beautiful thing up. By the way, there's the logo again. Um, and I look at CRMs, and I never see showroom leads. Why do we not call them showroom leads then? We That's call them there. opportunities because exactly. they are there. They they have engaged with us on our physical showroom floor. So if they're engaging with us on our click and mortar business or our SRP or VDP on our third parties, isn't that an opportunity? I think it's an opportunity. 100%. And I also think it's, it's the way that we kind of like the word lead, I think, today in our vertical implies the intent to purchase. Right. Like that's, I think a lot of dealerships out there see it that way. They perceive it that way. Well, it's a lead. They have the intent to purchase, but it's not. It's an opportunity to have a conversation. Yes. Uh, inside the conversation is where you might be able to create a lead. 100%. It, it, a lead or a lead is an opportunity to engage. And when you engage is when you really start to show the value that your, uh, your dealership offers. You know, nobody, nobody can really see from a two-dimensional SRP, VDP website, et cetera, the value. It takes engagement. They're literally saying, I want help. Can you help me? Oh, you're sorry. These are opportunities to get into conversations. Yes. Conversations actually end up turning to a, uh, turning into a lead, mm -hmm. you know, but, but, but you're right. It, it's, it's a mindset thing. And I also, I, I gotta be honest with you, the last few years, look, there's some great operators out there. So if you're a great operator, okay. Don't listen to this next part. All right, but for the majority of the industry, and yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little tough love out there. And suck, all right, at engaging with customers. You know, especially over the last few years. You know, is the car available? No. Yeah. 
That's it. Um, so when would that be coming in? And you're gonna be you're lucky if it shows up in like maybe nine months. You want to put the deposit down? All right, thanks. Um, you know, like <laughs> like engage, have a real conversation. Can you imagine? I almost kind of think sometimes of like dinner parties, right? Like if 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 salespeople engage with people at a dinner party, they engage with them now. Like they're just it's crappy conversation. It's crappy engagement, right? Like yeah. person, like, I don't know, maybe it's the old school sales, sales dog in me. Right. But like, I actually want to connect with the person before I sell them something. You tell me if I'm crazy and I'm trying to kick it old school. What do you I think? Th I just think it's so interesting, you know, the fear of engagement now. So, you know, best, a best practice that I put on myself is anybody who goes to look at my LinkedIn page, which we'll, you know, get into that in a second. But any anytime somebody looks at my LinkedIn page, I view that as somebody knocking on my door, right? So I will always send them a message. Hey, thanks for stopping by my LinkedIn page. If you have any questions about anything I've done, please let me know. I'm happy to help, you know? So it's like the people though have a fear of engagement. And I, I just don't, I don't understand where that fear came from when you're in a sales environment. Well, you know what? Like I said, I think the art of, uh, and I actually think this is leadership and where this is actually perfect because we are going to get into that topic. Mm -hmm. I think it's the decay of leadership in our industry. All right. That has led us to the point where we are not um, training or developing our team to actually have a real conversation and connect with people. Right. You know, it's like, I, I think there's too many managers out there. There's not enough leaders out there, but that is a topic we're going to get into. But I think before, because something, like I said, I go squirrel sometimes before we get into that <laughs> squirrel. Uh, uh, I know we wanted to talk and I can't believe we're talking about this, but I think I did want to talk about this is, is we did have this as a topic about merchandising inventory. Now it's crazy to think this is 2023 mm -hmm. and we're still having this effing conversation. Right. Right. But I think similar to just, you know, piss poor engagement are like, I don't know about you, but I'm, I, see, I'm, I'm back in market for a car. So maybe this is why mm -hmm. I feel, I'm feeling this way. I'm back in market for a car. Move to a new country, or not to a new country, move from Canada back to the US. Time for me to get another vehicle, da 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 da. And I'm just telling you, like, just the online merchandising and just the general content out there mm -hmm. sucks. Yeah. It's too much like, here's a car, here's a price. If you don't want it, I don't care. Right. You know? But I'd love to get your thoughts. No, 100%. You know, um, we talk, you know, we were just talking a little bit about dealers spending thousands of dollars on you know, SEM, SEO, their website, third parties, SRPs, VDPs, et cetera, right? But they also spend money on technology to merchandise these cars. And I firmly believe based on hours of looking at SRPs, VDPs, that half, if not three quarters of the technology is not being used, right? And when the technology is not being used, the uh, opportunities that are created from the website, the SRPs, the VDPs, slowly declines, mm -hmm. right? So I'll give you an example. If I'm looking for a $50,000 uh, used SUV, let's say I'm looking for a Lincoln Aviator. Okay. Yes. My wife drives a Lincoln Aviator. We love it. Um, and I'm looking at $50,000 and there's one down the street and it says, okay, it has the uh, ultimate package too. It has new tires, new brakes, fully serviced, uh, rear DVD, sunroof, and I see what I'm getting for $50,000 versus um, fresh inventory, call now. Exactly. That's $50,000. So, you know, um, a part of my journey, uh, we talk, we go back to talk about my journey for a second, was working for an automotive SaaS company and inventory management technology. 
-hmm. and our platform, which served one of the top three dealership groups in the country on an enterprise level, taught these dealers how to merchandise their inventory. There's five questions that need to be in the comments section, in the dealer's notes, whatever the platform calls it. There are five questions that the consumer is asking themselves when they're looking for inventory, okay? Mm-hmm. And you know, you can people can contact me about those five questions or go through my LinkedIn because I've put, pasted them several times. But you know, in reality, when people are shopping for a car, they're using their logical sense. When people are buying a car, they're using their emotional sense. So your inventory, your merchandising has to answer these logical questions that help validate the value of your vehicle. And that's that perception. And once you get to the point of perception, then you can actually get to the point where there's emotional connection, right? So I have a perceived value, right? The perceived value is a logical thing. Like perception is illogical. Like yes. you perceive that there's so there's, there's a logic behind it, right? Doesn't necessarily mean it's always true, but if there's there in their heads there's logic. Then <clears throat> once you perceive past that, that then it becomes emotional, and that's where you know we get into the story, right? Hundred percent. Every consumer out there, I don't care what product is, and if you're watching and listening right now, you're a consumer. You do the exact same thing, all right? You buy the story before you buy the product. Okay, whatever that story is, you know, and I think we in the automotive industry from thinking about stories, you know, I think the Jeep Wrangler is probably one of the best examples of a story out there, right? You know, every single advertisement out there, you will find that Jeep Wrangler going up the side of a mountain or going through a river, but over 90 plus percent of Jeep Wranglers sold never leave the mm-hmm. asphalt. Yeah, because you buy into the story that that vehicle can do that, not the reality that you are going to do that. And so it becomes this, this emotional thing. But if you don't have that content there, there's no story, right? Then how are you going to put that out there? I find that there's, when I'm merchandising, there are, there are, there are at least two stories that have to come out, right? There's the story of the car mm-hmm. and then there's the story of my dealership. Sure. Right? And look, the story of my dealership is not the fact that I am, I'm family owned and I'm number one in CSI just want to make a pause for dramatic purposes there. If anybody's watching and listening right now, if you think your story is based on the fact that your family owned and you're number one in CSI, nobody cares. You need to actually give them a real reason to care. And the real reason to care is not what you do, but why you do it the way you do it. Right. That's how people are going to connect with you. Um, And I know you're super passionate about helping people identify their why they do it the way the way they do it so i'd love to kind of get your thoughts on kind of like how can we build out you know this messaging or the story of you know what makes us unique compared to all of our competition yeah i mean it's it's really simple you know if you ask anybody that works in a dealer whether they're a salesperson or a member of the leadership team again there's the word leadership versus management member of the leadership team why should i buy from your store if they can't answer it within a minute it's probably going to be a gut check right like that's probably the most well-known elevator pitch that any dealership employee should have is why should I buy from your dealership? You know, because at the end of the day, like you said, family owned and operated. Cool. Um, you know, great Google reviews. Cool. But what, what really is the meat and potatoes behind why we should buy from the dealership? Tell me the story. I've been in business for a hundred years. We've taken great care of generations. Um, you know, talk about the quality of the experience. 
Uh, one of the dealership groups that I had the pleasure of working with when I was in the technology business was Shop, right? And mm-hmm. Shop's got probably one of the best and coolest, um, you know, why buy? It's one person, one price, one hour guaranteed. Yes. And and as we all now use time as a commodity, right? We all view time as a commodity and a currency. That is probably one of the most robust statements out there. 100%. It, it, and the reason for that is because it, it, it's real value. It goes beyond perception and creates it creates real value, right? Like, yeah. so, I mean, it, when we're thinking of merchandising and content, and it is the first point where you can uh, have the opportunity to generate an opportunity for your dealership is they need to be able to buy into a story. You know, so yeah. uh, we'll leave that there. I think we could probably go farther on it, but I, I, I know we're getting, we got about another six minutes and I want to make sure that we did, we did finish off because we mentioned a little bit when just a few minutes ago, we started going down that path. I do that sometimes um, is, is, is leadership. Mm-hmm. And again, I still think the reason, you know, that a lot of these things are are not being done. So the, the the reason that you know we're 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 treating people like leads and not opportunities. The reason why we're we're not you know we're not merchandising or creating content around our our inventory online. I think the reasons we're not doing a lot of this stuff is because a lack of leadership. Yeah. And you know specifically, you know leading the expectation versus just managing the expectation. And I know if you've posted on this, you've talked about this multiple times, and I'd love to kind of get your thought, the difference between leading the expectation versus managing the expectation. Yeah, 100%. So we we all know that setting an example is really the key to upward mobility and um, firmly believing, you know, in your heart that what you're doing is for the better of everybody. So, you know, um, I had mentioned on LinkedIn the other day Um, somebody had said something about a desk manager and I, I was polite about it, but I said, a desk manager are the four legs that holds the desk up. Cause that is what a desk manager is. It holds the stability of the desk. A sales manager or a leader is somebody who is at the desk ready to help the sales team members generate revenue for themselves and income. So there is a difference between a manager and a leader. The manager is somebody who tells somebody to do something. The leader is the one that says, let's go do it together. Let me show you how to do this. I don't care how many times I have to show you. I, we're going to do it together over and over and over again. Well, and, and, and to lead that expectation, the expectation has to be completely clear. And we kind of we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. The difference between expectations and performance. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, you know, expectations really kind of goes, you know, what am I expected to execute on, which then goes to the formula you mentioned, I want you to mention so everyone can hear it, is it the people plus what the process, you know, let's dive a little deeper in that because a lot of times we say expectations and I think for a lot of managers, what they think is, all right, the 200 cars they got to deliver this month. Yeah. Right. But I think a leader thinks of expectations and they think about the 17 steps that have to be executed to perfection or the 17 processes that need to be executed to perfection to achieve the 200. But I'd love to get your thoughts on that. So the equation is very simple. It's people plus performance equals profit, right? Mm-hmm. So people plus performance equals profit. But then when you look at performance, right, you yes. have processes and then... Uh, Jason, you and I bond over technology. So you have the technology, you kind of sprinkle the technology in, but ultimately it's the people plus performance 
equals profit. And performance isn't something you can just say, it's the first of the month, go get it. And then at the end of the month, it's like, WTF, why, yep. why didn't we hit our numbers? Good leadership will have great one-on-ones weekly with their people. They'll acknowledge and, and analyze where they are, where the people are, and then coach and counsel up, right? So we always want to manage people up. We never want to have to manage people out. These are people. These are people that have families, right? So we never want to manage people out. We need to lead. We need to be leaders by offering that mentorship. And no, for a fact, I know for me, like I didn't really ever receive formalized training uh, in my first automotive job back in 07. I had to learn for it myself, but I also love cars and people. So you just never know who you're going to be uh, a leader of and whose life you're going to change by being their leader. I'm 100% with you on that. And I think for any of the other principals out there that may be watching or listening right now, I think you need to ask yourself, do you have leadership on your team or do you have management on your team? Because I'll tell you right now, for the last, you know, three years, you've been able to get away with a manager as long as he's got a finger or she's got a finger, she can come in and flip a light switch on. You've been able to sell cars. All right. We are now we're getting to a time where like it's, it's changed our operations and we, we need to get serious about leadership, not yeah. just managing. It's not, look, you can't just manage your way to profitability anymore. Right. No, hundred percent. And, you know, I would say Jason, to, to your point, you know, you said, well, dealers look and see if you have leaders or managers, you know, expenses are going through the roof, floor plan interest. Um, and, you know, all of the, with inventory levels going back up and, you know, if you if you tolerate, if you allow mediocrity, that's just, you know, we talked about the why buys. That's almost what becomes your why buy. Um, a personal story real quick. My my grandfather, who is my best friend, anybody who knows me knows I will always talk about how much I love my grandfather. He's the best person in the world. My best friend. Awesome. Um, he has a he, he uh, bought about three years ago. He bought a luxury vehicle um, and that luxury vehicle is in for service right now. And one of that brand's promises is. You drop your car off, you get a you get a service loaner. Um, he dropped his car off three weeks ago. Didn't hear from anybody about a rental. I called the service manager twice. Didn't get a call back. Is that a manager or is that a leader? Exactly. What what is that telling me about if I want to go and buy a car from that dealership? And it was a sixty five thousand dollar luxury car, you know. So let's talk about management versus leadership. That is. Yeah the first thing I would, I would suggest we have to look at. Well, and, and, and it is, and, it, and you're look to ride the next three years, because what's happened is that rock got dropped in the pond three years ago. Mm-hmm. Now the ripple effect from that rock being dropped. All right. Is now being, being felt. All right. I mean, look, I've, I've been in the car business for a long time. I mean, just the economy of things with current interest rates and yes, you're beginning to see some subvented rates come back, but still it's not, quite there yet. I mean, I, you know, most of the people that have been in sales right now, I've never had to have the conversation of double digit interest rates. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when the single digit interest rate was a big deal. Right. And, you know, like you'll, the bottom line is cars you sold prior to the pandemic are going to come back and the, and with the current rates that they are and the current pricing of vehicles, they are, that car is going to be 200 to $250 more a month. Correct. Ballpark. A little less, maybe a little bit more, you know, and it's like, it doesn't, it's going to take a leader, all right, to lead the team through the next few years of sales, all right, not just someone who's just going to manage the team 
Uh, and then I think the big difference between a leadership manager, if you guys are out there thinking and asking this, is does this person have the ability to grow the business or maintain the business? Because and sometimes you need a manager just to maintain it. But I think right now we need leaders. But Love I think, them. Jason, but I think at the same time, do they have the heart to grow the business? Well, that's true. We all have we all have the skill, right? We were all we're all on sale. Yeah, sometimes we all have the mouthpieces. But do we have the heart? Do we have the heart to help people so that, you know, at the end of the day, like we today are growing the future leaders for tomorrow, right? So do we have the heart on top of the skill to create, to be a leader, to create for future leaders? You, you look, you, you're you're 100% right. Guys, look, um, I know we're getting towards the tail end. We are at the tail end, actually, of our conversation today. I think this whole subject of leadership could be another podcast in its own. And Ben, that's not a bad idea. We may have to do a follow-up to this. Yep, absolutely. Um, but, you know, before I let you go for, you know, we've had, We've, we've covered some seriously great topics today. And for everybody out there that's watching or listening to this who would love to connect with you, you know, follow along with your journey or just learn a bit more about what you're up to these days, yeah. what's the best way to do so? The best way is just, um, you know, send me a message on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, I'm very passionate about sharing my perspective, sharing my history uh, sharing uh, just my passion for the automotive industry. It's the only industry I know. Um, I did mortgages in culinary school, but you know, spending 16 years in automotive, uh, both in dealership and uh, in consulting roles. Um, it's what I know. It's what I'm passionate about. It's, it's what my heart truly tells me is my calling. Man, I love it. I love it. And hey, I encourage you guys, connect with Ben. Amazing guy. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Jason. Thanks, Ben. Later. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.